0: It's the Face of Chicago Business Podcast introducing you to the stories behind the faces focused on fixing today's problems with thoughtful leadership and purposeful living. Sit down with us as we get to know the individuals who make our city second to none. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arcee, and this is the Face of Chicago Business Podcast. Today I'm joined by Ernestina Perez, founder of Latinx Talk Therapy. Thank you so much for being here, Cristina.
1: No, my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Tony.
0: Now, you know, right off the bat, I usually get into people's stories, right? Um, But Latinx talk therapy, that just, you know, when I first heard about it, I had so many ideas of what it could be, right? But I'd love to hear uh, what it means to you and what you actually do with it.
1: Yeah. So Latinx Talk Therapy is a mental health specialty clinic here in Chicago. And our mission is to serve the Latinx community through mental health services. And we provide therapy and also immigration evaluations.
0: Oh, wow. Now, the Latinx part, that's something that I guess I just haven't been totally clear on what the X stands for right? And I was hoping you could uh, share with me and others listening, you know, what it means to you and, you know, or really what it means by definition.
1: Yeah, of course. So I adopted that term because it's a newly used term in research and it stands for um, a non-binary inclusive gender inclusive term for a person that's Latino or Latina. And in reality, we're not really pushing that term on anyone, but if people do identify with that term, then that'd be great.
0: But that's really your, who you're trying to help or target.
1: Yes, that is who we specifically want to serve.
0: And and why is it? Where where is your heart in with that? I guess, you know, why that community? Obviously, you're Latina, but, Mm. you know, why specifically help? Latinos, Latinx.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So yes, of course, it's uh, my personal experience that really informed me. But I think also when I started working as a professional, as a therapist, because I'm licensed as a therapist here in Illinois, I really saw a need for a space that was solely created to help our population uh, with their mental health services. And that's really what inspired me
0: gotcha gotcha now originally from mexico Mm -hmm. um you were born in uh, mexico city right
1: yeah that's right and
0: and tell me about that about growing up i know it was very early and you know only till you were six right that you moved to the united states but tell me about growing up there what that was like
1: wow i mean it's um beautiful amazing yeah. yeah i remember it really well i mean i think just the culture it's in the language the way that people relate to each other um, there's a lot of warmth and caring that you can sense and i remember leaving actually too because it was a big shock i think culture shock coming into america
0: yeah now you also before you left mexico city though um or i guess mexico you lived in two places in mexico right
1: yes yeah i lived in uh, matamoros Tamaulipas, which is where my mom is from yeah and then in La Ciudad México también.
0: So how did your mom end up in Mexico City? Mm-hmm.
1: That was because of my dad. Yeah, brought her over there. Um, and then, well, my dad had a business. and uh, yeah, gotcha. And he had one, and he had opened a, one, a, like a plant for his company in Matamoros, Tamaulipas, which is a border town. So that's okay. where he actually met my mom. And then se la trajo para La Ciudad de México after Frontera that. Tamaulipas. They always yeah, say the so license frontera. plate. Front temp, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so is that the reason that, I mean, it's, well backtrack a little bit. Mm-hmm. It seems like you have The entrepreneur spirit in you, like that's you know from your dad, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. I think I got that from my dad, and then I got a lot of other things from my mom. Probably like my compassion and and care from her. Sure. Yeah. But we immigrated in 1994, which was like a really hard time financially and politically. Yeah, the peso just was like yes, the devaluation of the peso, uh inflation, high interest rates. They assassinated the I think one of the president elects. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was running at the time. So when
0: Vicente Fox got elected, right? Um, oh, no. I
1: think that, well...
0: Or before that. No, it was a Sepeda or Zapata. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, wow, well, so is that why you guys left, though? Yes, yes. Gotcha.
1: All of that impacted my dad's business. Gotcha. And that's when they decided just to close up shop and then come into the United States.
0: Now, was the idea to look for opportunity or did you guys already have something lined up? Did your dad want to start a business?
1: Well, you know what? I think his intention was, because he did have an entrepreneurial spirit, but it was really a restarting of everything. Yeah. I mean, and at the time... Nobody really processed it with me. We just kind of got up and left. But I do remember leaving everything behind, like our home, our community, the school, our family. Your life, right? My whole life, yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, do you have brothers and sisters?
1: I do, yeah. I have three sisters. Wow. Yeah. And for my parents. And then I have two brothers that are from my dad's previous uh, marriage before he married my mom. the
0: oldest in the family? Yes. Gotcha, gotcha. So six of you total?
1: yes for my dad wow
0: that's amazing how was was that growing up
1: um well i think it was it was great i love having siblings yeah we're all actually really close
0: but you're the oldest of your sisters my sisters yeah wow so how how many years apart between you and your youngest
1: i want to say 11 years
0: that's a pretty big difference
1: yeah but i don't feel it at all when i talk to her no very mature yeah yeah we get along really well
0: Well, what seems like you are too though
1: Oh, thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, in terms of growing up, like, did you always know that you wanted to be a therapist?
1: You know, that's a good question. I wanted to say up until recently that I didn't know, but then uh, in talking to my mom, like, this was this year, she showed me a th- a something I wrote in the sixth grade, mm-hmm. where my teacher asked me, "What is your purpose on earth?" Which is a very deep question to ask a sixth yeah. grader, and I had just one. yeah, right, and I had just gotten out of uh, ESL. Sure. And, um, so I wrote on there that I wanted to help people with their problems and that people need help and someone to talk to and that I wanted to counsel people. Interesting. Yeah. That's what I thought too. I was like, wow, I but guess maybe I knew.
0: But once you did it, I mean, I guess once the question was posed then that you didn't really think about it then.
1: Like, I had, yeah. I no. just left it at that. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. I was yeah. like,
0: you know, when it's in you, it's in you, right? Like that's what they say. Nah, yeah. That's incredible. And so tell us about that, like w- in terms of schooling and all that, you know, you grew up not in the city, right?
1: No, so um, we immigrated to Joliet, Illinois, mm-hmm. and we lived there for quite a while.
0: Did you ever ask your parents, like I always ask my parents why Chicago, but why, why Joliet?
1: Yes, it was my mom's uh, brother, so who ah, gotcha. lived there. Mm. So since he immigrated there, that's where we all ended up.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I always ask my parents. I'm like, Why did you? How? Like. Yeah. Why did you? Yeah. Did why you you Chicago? Well, like, all the places, like the coldest. Not that I'm complaining. I mean, I love. I love no, Chicago. No, it's true. Yeah. But it just seems like being an immigrant that from warm weather that you probably picked something a little warmer, but wasn't <laughs> yeah. the case. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So in, t- in terms of like going to school and everything, mm-hmm. you know, how, how important was that growing up? Um, that influence of education and all that for for your family.
1: Yes. Well, you know, I want to say that my parents um, never necessarily like um, set me down and say, hey, education is really important or anything like that. It was just they were very open um, parents and supportive, supportive. Yeah. So I was just naturally inclined to like school and they thought that was good. (laughs) Yeah. But they never really pushed it on me. Like Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that it was like a value. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Is that something that you share with your other siblings or do you feel a little different in that regard?
1: I think now as an adult, when I relate to my siblings and maybe even before, I definitely, since I value it a lot, talk to them about it. And I think it's just really education is just a pathway for a person to learn, to open themselves up to learning. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: Um, So when did you decide that officially, you know, in terms of schooling and everything else? Like, is it high school when you graduated that you said, I'm going down this path to be a therapist?
1: Well, okay, so uh, I think what actually happened, so I, when I immigrated to the United States, what I kind of immigrated into was this kind of identity of being undocumented in the United States. Yeah. And so for a long time, I didn't really know how to process that. So there's a lot of things that I think I internalized, like belief systems that were outside my person. Um mm. I think it's an experience a lot of people have and that are immigrants in the United States. But really what I felt was probably the discrimination because of my nationality. Really? Um, yes. Wow. Yeah, because I think when you're undocumented, my experience was, you know, basically that I didn't have any, any rights in sure. the United States. I couldn't get a social security. I couldn't get a driver's license. I didn't know if I could go to college. How would I afford it? I couldn't even get a loan. And nothing. So you're really
0: talking about the, the experience that you were feeling was more so like at the end of high school? Yes. or like high school
1: yeah because yeah, i was undocumented when i was in high school as well
0: wow and, and yeah. Like, well, like yeah i mean i have so many questions regarding that mm-hmm. and, and and i think more also because it's an important you know topic for us i mean yes. as, like i know that's my, my my family came here like that and you know i was very blessed that my grandfather was born well, there were very loose borders in Texas. So yeah. it was like, eh, you're American kind of thing. Yeah. And um, so and everyone got to come over, but yeah, that experience of almost like you're not enough, right? Yes. Do you ever look back and psychoanalyze yourself as that? All kid? Yeah. <laughs> and so w- what is it that you take away that people share most in common with that feeling? Cause obviously you're, you're seeing this more so than most people you're yes. closer to it.
1: Yes, absolutely. Especially in the practice that I work at now and that I've created. Um, I think when I look back, Um, Yes, that's what I was internalizing. There was this belief, like you're saying, um, that I didn't belong, that um, of maybe inadequacy, that I was Mm -hmm. not enough for something, that I wasn't doing enough or that I was even breaking the law. Right. So I think what I felt at the time was probably um, just maybe some shame, guilt, a lot of fear as to what was going to happen and powerlessness in the situation. Yeah. So at the time when I experienced that, I didn't know how to navigate it. And I think it was when I became uh, documented that I had this huge relief and I was trying to make sense of what that meant, which is what led me to psychology.
0: Wow. So how old were you when, when that happened?
1: I was about 20. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: And that, were you in school at the time when that
1: Yes, yeah. I had started taking some courses in community college and trying to really figure out how to navigate the American educational system.
0: Yeah, I mean, and no one to help you, right? You're kind yeah. of on your own at that point.
1: Right, because my parents had no idea what I was doing.
0: So like, you know, when, as you talk to your parents even now or back then, yeah. you know, do you feel like they shared a lot of those same emotions that you guys were kind of living These parallelize one as a parent, one as a child, one, you know, being young here and kind of growing up here, but the other trying to navigate it as an adult.
1: Yes, I think so. Um, And and it was hard, I think, because they didn't have the communication skills maybe Mm -hmm. to really uh, talk that out with me. But I definitely can sense it uh, at the time that we were both experiencing, like me and my parents as a unit, uh, just learning how to navigate living in America and trying to work hard and, you know, live our lives even though we had all of these barriers that we were kind of sitting with
0: yeah no i mean that's that's our community my community right always growing up and then you see that you know and and a huge part of why we do what we do is to bring awareness to that and and i mean we're human beings right we're all we all deserve these these opportunities that are afforded why not us and 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 oftentimes i think it's more that mindset right that we just it's like no, it's not for us. It's for everyone else but us. Right. And I even felt that growing up without. I mean, I was legal, you know, but yes. I was born here, but I still felt a lot of that. Like oh, I don't, I don't belong. This isn't for me, kind of thing. It's
1: for right. them. Right. Yes, that seclusion. Right. Yeah, the separateness of that.
0: So how do you, how do you help people with that, with those feelings? Because obviously, it's not just us. It's not, you know, it's right. maybe not even be that that legal status. It's just yes. that internal.
1: Yes. um, Belief system. That's a really good connection that you're making because I think even if somebody, this could be like one of the listeners, isn't in the same experience that I had when I was undocumented, you know, to perceive that you don't belong somewhere. I think that that in itself can bring up so many different feelings. And I think for me personally, uh, the most important part was learning how to recognize that I was experiencing that. And from that place, be able to let go of those beliefs that I internalized in that circumstance. Sure. And the way that I did that was I went to graduate school and I got trained to be a clinical therapist which just opened me up to a plethora of information and skills on self-awareness, on how to identify my emotions. I learned mindfulness. I learned I wasn't any of my thoughts, any of my feelings. I learned how to communicate with others, to look inside of myself. And so I think that that was just like the game changer right there. And so when I started working as a therapist, I thought, wow, this has changed me in so many ways. And I really found like an authentic power within my person. So then I was gravitated toward wanting to teach these skills to people within my community because i felt like wow if they had these skills to overcome fear or learn to identify oh i'm stressed i know what to do about it then it would just change everything
0: for sure no now next question i have for you it's kind of a two-part question because you know on one hand um especially being i I don't know a mexican man right that there's a sense of like you don't share your emotions and you know at least that's the example that was given to us right Mm -hmm. but then on the other hand you know, even within our own communities, when you start doing things and excelling or whatever, right? And, and I'm not saying that others aren't, but the ones who aren't, yeah. right? It seems that, you know, they kind of take jabs at you or look at you or, yes. you know, kind of thing. How, how have you personally had to navigate through that? Or has it always just been very supportive from, like, the people around you?
1: Yes. Well, you know what? I would say that uh my experience has been supportive. Um or if it wasn't, I guess I didn't really pay attention to it. So I don't even remember <laughs> it. Yeah, but I think what happened Either way that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that um well, my mom is a very kind and compassionate person. My dad, you know, he would tell me that he was proud of me. Um but I think to what you're saying, um, When I started learning uh, how to identify my own feelings and how to speak, you know, on things, learned what I needed and be able to communicate that with others. Um, I think that my family was very open. And I guess that the relationships I started forming were from that place. So I think that people that probably are coming toward me, they found an interest in wanting to communicate in that way. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what's the biggest challenge you have? I mean, you went from taking on a brand new profession right like you started Mm -hmm. out in this industry but then you decide you go into become an entrepreneur right on top of it yeah so what's been the biggest challenge making that transition or maybe or did you start off well i guess you always had to have like your clinicals and everything else working under someone else right yeah but how'd you make that transition into that entrepreneur role
1: yeah well okay so this i think has a lot to do with the work that i did on myself so i became a therapist and then i went to therapy which I was lucky enough to find like a good fit with someone and that helped me kind of realize that I was the one that was kind of getting in my own way mm. by having certain beliefs that I didn't even know were there. Sure. So, um, I think that, The how, which is very important, came from a lot of self-awareness. And it's still something that I have to practice now. So it's not like it's done with. So I think um, there's a part of me that's that's always been there. I guess it's kind of like my intuition or like the thoughts that um, have a lot of peace and harmony behind them. And I can tell like, okay, I should be going in this direction. And I learned to differentiate that from, I guess, all the doubts or any concerns or criticisms that were present for me. So in the now, I guess the biggest barriers were being able to identify that was happening and then having the courage to go toward what I wanted, which here was to create this uh, company. And um, I mean, it was very scary. It still is. There's a lot of challenges (laughs) and I have to learn to do a lot of things. But I guess I just come back to the mission of the company and why it's important to do the work.
0: Well, that's um, that's amazing and incredible that you did the work to begin with, because I think so many of us don't
1: Right. And that leads
0: me to my next question, which is, you know, did you seek out the therapy because you were, I guess, I don't want to say suffering for, but, you know, going through something or, nice. or couldn't get over a hump that you realized, or was it more like, I want to identify things that maybe I haven't uncovered yet?
1: Yes. Well, I think what was happening. So when I was in graduate school, this was in 2014, 15, mm-hmm. I, my my dad passed away. And so that oh, was I'm so one, sorry. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So that was something. And then I was in graduate school learning how to be a therapist and I was practicing right away being a therapist. So I was sitting there feeling all kinds of things and learning all kinds and questioning myself. Am I doing this right? How, what is the best way to like, you know, work through this or So I was sitting with a lot of questions, and then I became a U.S. citizen, too, at that same time. Well,
0: congratulations. Thank you.
1: And so I think all of that just propelled me to go into therapy and say, okay, well, if I'm going to help people be self-aware, then I think I should go and sit down and be vulnerable and see what I'm What's going on with me?
0: That's amazing. Yeah, no, it's incredible to do that because yeah. most people wouldn't, you know. Yes. They, they they try to sell you or preach to you about what you need, but they don't drink the Kool-Aid themselves, you, you know. Yeah, I drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> you drink the Kool-Aid, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you went through a lot during that time.
1: I did, yeah.
0: So how did you deal with it? I mean, what yeah. like I know, I mean yeah, I'm in awe of people like you that that you know you you stand here and you just look so well put together and everything mm-hmm. just seems like it's going great and yeah. And you're able to talk about these experiences not as you know wounds but as more scars, right? Yeah and how, yeah, how during that time did you navigate that? like did you ever want to quit? did you uh, what emotions were you going through?
1: Right? Yes, you know what um, so at that time, I was like learning to identify all of the feelings. I didn't even have words for feelings that I was learning about in yeah. school. You know, and so I think what really presented in my person was physical sensations. I would feel all of this uh, heaviness sometimes or I would feel like the chest pain or I would feel tension and I didn't know what it was. And then when I started putting it together, I realized, oh, okay, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling that I must be sad or I'm angry or I'm angry and I'm nervous and I'm worried and I'm happy at the same time. So first, I think paying attention to that. And then another thing that happened was then I realized, and this is something in psychology, there's uh, the core beliefs of self. So there has to be something that you're believing or or a way that you're interpreting this moment in time that's impacting your emotional experience. And so when I realized that that was happening and I was helping uh, clients um, at the clinic at Northwestern at the time, figure this out I started doing it in therapy and at first I would be sitting there with sensations and now I could say oh this is I'm just worried right now this is what this is I'm feeling this tightness this is what it is interesting yes and at first when I would ask myself that I would hear nothing so the therapist my therapist would ask me you know what may be, what might you be thinking right now I'd say oh nothing because I it was beyond my level of awareness Yeah. yeah so I had to learn to verbalize it sure and I think that Why I pushed it down was I probably somewhere when I was undocumented, I just learned to quiet myself, you know? Yeah. And so it was a whole process and it still is to really sit there and ask myself, what is it that maybe this worry is about?
0: Interesting. Yeah. No, I mean, I can only imagine that not having or what you believe the right to certain things would make you or suppress voicing, you know, any kind of emotion or need, right? Because you're like, does it matter?
1: Yes, and that's what I had learned, and it didn't matter because I didn't have any rights. Wow. Yeah. So
0: do you do you feel like you're still working through that on some level? Like, do you catch yourself maybe in certain thoughts and going, nope, not gonna, not gonna think that, or you know, not gonna go down that road?
1: Yes. Well, yeah, the practice still continues. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I did it today. I try to do it every day. <laughs> and now it's interesting because you know I have a life that I've created, so everything is uh, self-imposed. My work, the you know preoccupation with whatever I'm thinking about, and I mean, it's all self-created. So when I start to identify that I feel stressed or maybe I'm, you know, thinking I'm running behind, that something's not good enough, something is lacking, I am able to say, okay, this is like that belief of inadequacy that's arising in my person right now that is not serving me right now and is not really based on the reality I'm standing in right now. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: No, that's great. And is that what you try to teach people?
1: yes the self-awareness
0: absolutely now does that come as a practice of something like for me You know, I think of self-awareness and I don't know if I could do it without meditating. Right. That like meditating is a big part of of that for me. Yeah. How much of it is physical versus just the talk therapy for what you practice?
1: Yes. Well, I think in the talk therapy, I teach people mindfulness skills. Gotcha. So a lot of that is, you know, uh, learning to attune to yourself, be still. I mean, I tell people and some, a lot of the clients I have, for example, practice a religion, Uh, They may be Catholic, which is very common in Latin America. Of course. And so I tell them, even when you're having a moment where you're just attuning yourself uh, with your prayer or when you're just having a moment, um, when you're in community, that can all be meditative. Or you're Mm -hmm. looking at the trees outside or you're doing something. That could also be a meditation practice. So you don't have to sit there and like start humming and, you know, (laughs) (laughs) sit with your legs crossed. (laughs) It's really just going inward instead of outward. Sure. And the human mind, because we see through our eyes, is always looking out yeah. outside of us. Always. So I always tell people, just do like a 360 and come back to yourself. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, is there any? I mean, I know Latinx community, right? But as far as the type of person that that you usually see or that you prefer to see, like mm-hmm. who who's that? ideal client for you
1: yeah for me personally um and I guess there's all these other clinicians also that at Latinx Talk Therapy so they probably have their own ideal client but I would say that anyone that identifies as Latinx and is looking for um a way to uh I understand themselves better and empower themselves and overcome any emotional or um mental barriers that they're experiencing and is Has the courage to come into a space where they can be vulnerable and open about that
0: No, that's a great point the courage to and I think so many of us just you know often lack that in certain moments right where yeah. We're a little scared or you know, don't know what to expect now right. It seems like there's more of a learning curve, especially in the latin community latinx community, yeah. right that um, Like I said, we, we weren't brought up with this is not something right. like that. We had I, I guess for many of us how much of that do you have to like work with, right? Do yes. you have to teach that learning curve of, yeah. of of the community, and is that your greatest barrier from people taking that step to actually see you or someone in in your clinic?
1: Yes. Well, I think when I heard you say that, I thought about like uh, all the stigma around yeah. uh, therapy and um what therapy is and so i think of it more as an opportunity to educate people on what it is the therapy process and how really it's just talking but really the point of it is for the person to hear themselves Mm -hmm. this is what i'm expressing is my problem and um, i'm hearing how i'm going about at it and i'm learning what this feels like for me and I'm identifying what I want to do with this and I guess also forming a trusting relationship with somebody this is the therapist that provides support and can teach tools and guide the process Uh, so a lot of it is to inform the public about what therapy is how it could be helpful and destigmatize it so that's why I think uh, the clinicians who are also Latinx are able to embody that because they say hey look at me I'm Latinx and I'm the therapist and it's going to be okay right. I'm just going to talk it out yeah
0: so how do you reach people when, when it comes to that you know uh, if if someone's going through it and they're like eh, I don't know mm-hmm. well, you know what's how do you get through to them you know what's the is it is it like you said these teaching moments is it you know yeah. classes online or you know obviously post-covid now things are a little bit different yes. but you know typically uh, what's that outreach like for you
1: Okay, in terms of how to reach out to the community?
0: Well, I'm just saying, like, how do people find out about you? How, you know, from from being at home and maybe going through something yeah. and not knowing where to turn, and then all of a sudden, you know, they, they're presented or they hear about you, yes. you know, through something. How how do they usually hear about you?
1: Yeah, that's a, so right now what we do is we have different campaigns. So I have these wonderful people that are doing a lot of community outreach. Um, And we also make videos. We're on social media. We're just kind of letting people know, you know, we're therapists. This is what therapy is. And this is how it can be helpful, especially in a time like now with COVID-19 where Mm -hmm. people are at home and feeling anxiety and worried about the state of things. Yeah. And so we just try to um, listen, be understanding, explain, you know, what our intention is and see if people are willing to trust us in that process.
0: No, that's awesome. Do you feel like COVID has changed a lot of the conversations you're having i mean has it geared more towards that or is it still you know just kind of life in general that you're dealing with because i know it's a lot i mean for people that may have lost a job or you know just even just being home and and not having that physical contact with others you know is that do you feel like it's changed the, the the talks that you're having with people
1: yeah. Well, I think in some ways, I mean, the Latinx community in particular has been hit really hard mm-hmm. by COVID. And like you said, there people are experiencing all kinds of changes. And yeah. as we know, change can create stress, even if it's change for the better. But here it's a lot of understanding what to do with a global pandemic, a health crisis, yeah. how it impacts an individual person. Are people getting sick? Are they worried about getting sick? Have It has this impacted their finances, their jobs. They have to, you know, kids have to stay at home. The parents are learning to teach them. So we have had a lot more conversations about that and how to deal with anxiety and manage that. But I also feel like what it has really done is it's created... A space for people to just be still because they have mm-hmm. to be if they have the opportunity i guess to be at home they have to sit there and kind of reflect on things absolutely so now that we are able to do virtual therapy um people are able to kind of sit with the reality that their busy lives sometimes wouldn't let them see
0: yeah and how's the virtual therapy been going because this is brand new to to you guys right just because of everything that happened and, and pivoting right
1: yeah yeah, I mean, we did a little bit of it before, but not to this extent. Oh, you but, did? Yeah, a little oh, okay. bit, yeah. But right now, uh, all the insurance companies are able to cover it, and people are just much more open to it because of the situation at hand. I find that, of course, it's never the same as being in person, but you still get an opportunity to process things and to talk to somebody yeah. and to give yourself that time to bring attention to yourself.
0: Oh, well, Seems like people are in good hands with you.
1: Thank you. Yes, I hope so. I'm sure they
0: are. How how big is your team?
1: So right now we have six therapists. Oh my goodness, that's that's pretty big.
0: Yeah. So I mean, are they full time or a lot of them part time?
1: No, they're all actually full time. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So
0: you guys are talking to a lot of people.
1: Yes. Yeah,
0: yeah, we are. So what what are the plans for in terms of growth, in terms of reach? Seems like you kind of are. I don't want to say the leaders, but I really haven't heard of anyone focusing um, the way you have in this particular field for yeah. the Linux community.
1: Yes. Well, I would like to see the need uh, tell me what we should, what direction to go in. So if people continue to reach out to us to want to get services, then I think we're going to continue to grow. And yeah. I'm willing to learn how to get us there.
0: And now where are you guys typically located
1: so we are at uh, Michigan Avenue 155 North Michigan on the corner of Michigan Avenue and Randolph okay yeah so our main office is there
0: okay well you guys if any of you fit that description and you would like to reach out to Ernestina uh, you can do so below uh, on the form but Ernestina thank you so much for coming in and not only sharing your story but you know all the work that you're doing in the community and for people I just I'm I'm very grateful.
1: Thank you so much for the opportunity. I really, thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh, excuse me. It's our pleasure, and I can't wait to continue to have this conversation. Thank you. Thank you.